Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, June 16th, and we start with local news. On Thursday, June 8th, the City of Columbia City Council unanimously adopted the city's fiscal year 2023-2024 budget on final consideration. The budget totals $80,438,968 for all funds and is accomplished without a property tax increase, maintaining and enhancing core services, and increasing the city's operating reserves. The fiscal year 2023-24 budget includes strategic plan-driven investments across city departments. The budget is focused on keeping and investing in city employees, most notably the implementation of an employee compensation plan that will allow the city to be more competitive in recruiting and retaining employees. Mayor Chaz Mulder stated, I am pleased with the recent passage of our next fiscal year budget, a balanced budget that includes no property tax increases, provides basic municipal services in the most professional of ways, and funds short-term and long-term capital projects that will ensure our city continues moving forward a positive direction. Mulder continued, I am also pleased with the focus on our city employees in this budget and will continue to work to find ways to best recruit, retain, and reward one of our greatest city assets our employees, he said. The city's fiscal year 2023-24 budget increased by 19.3% from last year's $67 million operating budget, and of that total, 58% is within the city's general fund. The general fund includes the Columbia Police Department, Columbia Fire and Rescue, Public Works Department, and Parks and Recreation Department. The fiscal year 2024 general budget increased by 10.5%, about $4.4 million. Thanks to the hard work of the City Council and the commitment by the City's management team and finance staff, the new fiscal year budget provides citizens with the high level of City services that folks have come to expect, said City Manager Tony Massey. The budget includes several new capital projects and initiatives. Nearly $20.6 million is allocated for the city's fiscal year 2024 through 28 Capital Improvement Program, or CIP. The five-year CIP totals $99.5 million and includes major multi-year capital projects, including the Fire Station Number 1 renovation, Public Works Storage Fuel Facility construction, City Hall HVAC replacement, Iron Bridge replacement, Duck River Station upgrade, and Bear Creek Pike pump station replacement. Assistant City Manager and CFO Thad Jablonski noted, The city received the GFOA's Distinguished Budget Award in fiscal year 2023, and we believe that the requirements for the program have been met again for the coming fiscal year. I am proud of the hard work and dedication of Finance Department personnel. Jablonski continued, the fiscal year 2024 budget also includes major capital improvements identified by the City Council during strategic planning, which will move the city forward for years to come. Spring Hill's Board of Mayor and Aldermen are considering a pay scale change for employees in the city based on comparable ranges in other municipalities and county governments. A resolution was presented to the board at their most recent meeting, but was deferred until next week after discussion. According to the staff memo presented to the board on January 3rd, the Board of Mayor and Aldermen awarded a contract to Burris, Thompson & Associates to prepare a classification and compensation study update. 
Steve Thompson of BTA, reported to the Board of Mayor and Aldermen on May 15th, the salary surveyed comparable cities, counties, and public utilities, and the data obtained was used to create pay ranges based on job functions and titles. Each position was assigned a grade, and each grade assigned a minimum, midpoint, and maximum. Thompson reported last week the pay ranges themselves only needed to move about 2%, but police were about 9% below market. He suggested the board move the pay scale, the 2%, and police up 8%. In the city's proposed 2023-24 budget, there is $950,000 budgeted for the increases, but City Administrator Pam Kasky said in order to reach the suggested raises, the board would need to approve about $140,000 in additional funding. Thompson reported 108 employees would be given raises immediately based on the minimum on the new scale. Most of the city's employees could see a 5% increase as well to account for inflation. Thompson and Kasky presented the board with options for a 5% increase and a 6% increase across the board, with police getting either a 2% increase or 8% increase in minimum pay movement. Kasky said other cities are doing 5 or 6% increases, increases, and it's important for the city to keep up with neighboring municipalities. Obviously, I would like to see us pay our employees as well as possible. I think it gives us the best ability to recruit, she said. We're challenged against some of the wealthier communities that don't have the kind of issues we have with capital needs, she said. Alderman Matt Fitterer said he was okay with either the 5 or 6% option, while Alderman Trent Linville wants to make sure the board doesn't sway too far from the initially budgeted $950,000. One of the additional proposals included a raise based on years of service in the role, but Kasky and other aldermen objected. I don't necessarily equate tenure to great performance, Alderman Brett Murray said. The issue with performance or merit-based compensation is being able to equitably process performance reviews, and the city has only done one performance review in recent memory, if ever, he said. We need to get a little experience under our belt about being fair and equitable and teaching our supervisors how to do them in a way where everybody feels like they're being treated appropriately before we tie people's pay to them, Kasky said. There's no perfect system, and I've given up trying to find one, she said. In addition to teaching supervisors how to properly do performance reviews, the city would need to budget for those raises rather than a predetermined rate increase. In my experience, you want to come as close to matching the inflationary rate as possible. Most of the time, our people are talking with their friends with other cities and can be recruited away, Kasky added. More discussion is anticipated at the Board of Mayor and Alderman meeting on Monday at Spring Hill City Hall. The Tennessee Department of Education last week announced the nine finalists for the 2023-24 Tennessee Teacher of the Year Award, including one from Murray County. Emily Fowler, who teaches Spanish at Kalioka Unit School, was among the finalists and represents the South Central Region, one of eight Center of Regional Excellence or core areas in the state, along with the Shelby County Municipal Area. The 2023-24 Tennessee Teacher of the Year and three winners for each Grand Division will be selected from this group and announced during the Excellence in Education Tennessee Teacher of the Year Banquet this fall. The Murray County Public School family is so proud of Ms. Fowler. However, we are not surprised. Ms. Fowler personifies what we know and believe about great teaching. This is a huge honor for the Cullioca community and all of Murray County Public Schools. Ms. Fowler represents us well in every way, and we are certain the Tennessee Department of Education made the right choice in the final nine candidates, said Murray County Public School Superintendent Lisa Ventura. Kalioka Principal Penny Love said, Teaching is not just a profession, 
It's a calling. It's not about the test scores or the curriculum. It's about inspiring and empowering students to reach their full potential. Mrs. Fowler strives to create a safe and supportive learning environment where every student feels valued and confident to take risks and learn from their mistakes. This is an incredible honor and a testament to her hard work and dedication who goes above and beyond for her students every day. Finalists will have the opportunity to serve on the department's Tennessee Teacher Advisory Council for the duration of the 2024-25 and 2025-26 school years. The council is composed of expert teachers who engage with the department and other state agencies throughout the academic year. I want to congratulate Emily Fowler on being named a finalist of Tennessee's Top Teachers of the Year. This is an incredible honor that highlights the remarkable impact she's had on our community, said State Representative Scott Sapicki. Murray County is fortunate to have so many great educators like Emily, who are dedicated to ensuring that every student is successful, he said. Educators dedicate their lives to ensuring our children receive the best education possible and their work deserves to be recognized, added State Senator Joey Hensley. I would like to congratulate Emily Fowler for being recognized as a finalist for Teacher of the Year. We appreciate her commitment to education, children, and the community, he said. The Tennessee Teacher of the Year awardee will represent Tennessee in the National Teacher of the Year competition and serve as an ambassador for education in the state throughout the 2023-24 school year. To qualify, candidates must have been teaching full-time for at least three years, have a track record of exceptional gains in student learning, and be effective school and community leaders. The Center for First-Generation Student Success, an initiative of NASPA and the Souter Foundation, recently announced Columbia State Community College as one of 76 new members of the First Scholars Network for 2023-24. To be selected as a First Scholars Network member, Columbia State displayed a demonstrated commitment to networking and servicing experiences for support of the success of first-generation college students. As a first-generation college graduate, I understand the value of a college environment that builds an underlying program of support for the success of the students, said Dr. Janet F. Smith, Columbia State President. Through this First Scholars program, we see an opportunity to assess our support services for enhancement of student success for our first-generation students as well as all students, she said. Powered by the Center for First-Generation Student Success, the First Scholars Network is a four-phase approach that allows institutions of higher education to advance student success through establishing communities of practice, gaining knowledge of resources, and establishing peer networks. More than 350 institutions of higher education have entered the network, representing 49 states and the District of Columbia. The Center is pleased to welcome Columbia State into the First Scholars Network, said Dr. Sarah E. Whitley, Vice President with the Center for First-Generation Student Success. Through the application process, it was evident that Columbia State is not only taking steps to serve first-generation students, but is prepared to make a long-term commitment and employ strategies that foster an environment of success for this important population, she said. In this first phase of the First Scholars Network, selected institutions participated in the First Scholars Network virtual kickoff on June 2nd. As a network member, interested faculty and staff are afforded opportunities to engage with peer institutions, also working to create environments that improve the experiences and success of first-generation students, and will participate in monthly calls, professional development, goal-setting, blog development, annual reporting, and more. After completion of the network member phase, institutions progress to the second phase, first-gen forward, after which it becomes a first-scholar's institution. 
As a First Scholars Institution and a member of the Net- Scholars Network, a customized approach to international institutional success, I'm sorry, intentional institutional success, support activities becomes central to the advancement of student outcomes. Being named as a network member of the First Scholars Network is an exciting opportunity for Columbia State to join a dedicated community of professionals prepared to share evidence-based practices and resources, troubleshoot challenges, generate knowledge, and continue to advance the success of first-generation students across the country, said Dr. Kevin Kruger, President and CEO of NASPA. We are excited to see a groundswell of activity from the Class of 2023 network members and know Columbia State will be a significant contributor, he said. To learn more about the Center for First-Generation Student Success, visit www.firstgen.naspa.org. For the last decade, four-legged friends have helped make the days a bit brighter at Murray Regional Health. The pet therapy program at Murray Regional Health was initiated in 2013 to help provide a little comfort to anyone who may need it, patients, visitors, or hospital staff. The team has included 19 dogs in their handler so far. You can see the positive impact our pets make on everyone they come in contact with at the hospital, said Cindy Short, Volunteer Services Director at Murray Regional Medical Center. Research has shown that physical contact with a pet can lower anxiety and stress levels, and we're so glad to be able to provide this service to our patients, visitors, and staff, she said. In January, Amy Brinkley and Ryman, a two-year-old golden doodle, joined the team. Brinkley, who is married to Murray Regional Health Chief Administrative Officer Charlie Brinkley, became aware of pet therapy after her mother volunteered with Hand in Paw, an animal-assisted therapy nonprofit based in Birmingham, Alabama. Her mother passed away about four years ago, and Brinkley wanted to get involved in pet therapy to honor her memory. Ryman was trained in Mount Pleasant, and they became a registered therapy team through Music City Pet Partners based in Nashville. Only certified teams may apply for the pet therapy program at Murray Regional Health, and pet candidates must be proficient in basic commands or have obedience training. In their short time on the team, Brinkley and Ryman have found a lot of joy in creating smiles, especially in waiting rooms. The staff and patients really seem to enjoy seeing her, Brinkley said. Don't think she doesn't benefit either. She loves getting all the pets, and you can tell she gets excited as soon as we pull in the parking lot, she said. Brinkley and Ryman joined Yakota and Jameson, Black Labrador Retrievers, and their handler, Pastor and Murray Regional Health volunteer Jeff Kane, as current Murray Regional Health Pet Therapy, therapy team members. Yakota is five years old, and Jameson just turned one. Yakota joined the pack after a career change, while Jameson is currently training to become a service dog. In November, Jameson will travel to Florida to the Canine Companions Regional Training Center for six months of training. Then, he will be placed with a family who has a need for a service dog. The hospital has been a great environment for us, and it's so rewarding to see how happy they make everyone we come in contact with, Kane said. I've been in ministry for more than 40 years, and I've never seen a program like this that's so accepted and valued like it is here, he said. To join the Murray Regional Health Pet Therapy Program, not only do pets have to obtain certification, but they also must meet immunization and grooming requirements and adhere to organizational policies. Once a pet is certified, the handler must also go through the volunteer orientation process. We would love to have additional therapy teams join, Amy and Jeff, Short said. The amount of joy these animals and their handlers bring to our patients is immeasurable. For more information about becoming a volunteer or arranging a pet visit, contact Murray Regional Health Volunteer Services at 931-380-4047 or go to www.murrayregional.com 
forward slash volunteer. One Generation Away is returning to Columbia State Community College to share free groceries with the residents of Columbia and surrounding communities. The nonprofit's mobile pantry will set up in the parking lot on Saturday, June 24th to distribute fresh produce, pantry staples, baked goods, dairy products, and more at the drive through event with anyone who would like to receive it. No questions asked. We love our Columbia friends, and we always look forward to coming together as a community to support one another through difficult seasons, said Chris Whitney, founder and CEO of One Gen Away. Thank you to Columbia State for always being a loyal host for these events. The event will begin around 8.30 a.m., but folks are encouraged to line up early as the food is first come, first served. Food distribution will conclude around 10 a.m. or when all the food has been given away. Volunteers should arrive at 7.30 a.m. to help sort and distribute the food. No registration is required to volunteer or to receive food. For more information about One Gen Away, visit www.onegenaway.com. One Generation Away is a 501c3 nonprofit organization focused on wiping hunger off the face of America. Founded in 2013, the nonprofit rescues and receives high quality food and distributes it free of charge to those experiencing food insecurity in Middle Tennessee, North Alabama, and the Florida Panhandle. Learn more at www.onegenaway.com. And now, your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Cleo Ann Gilland Mayfield, 84, a resident of Columbia, died Tuesday, June 13th at Murray Regional Medical Center. A memorial service will be conducted on Saturday, June 17th at 2.30 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church in Columbia. Friends are invited to family visitation on Friday, June 16th from 5 to 7.30 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Private family burial will be held at St. John Church. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why the way you feel has always been so important to Susie and Tony Sowell. When people come here, I hope they feel like they're working with a person who's just like family. And by the time they leave here, I hope they feel like they're a part of our family. What I like most is when a family is leaving, they can say thanks. You made something we thought would be hard easier than we thought it would be. Not that we made it easy, we made it easier. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have intervals of clouds and sunshine today with a high of around 90 degrees. Winds will be out of the west-northwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect clear to partly cloudy skies with a low of around 60. Winds will be light and variable. For your weekend forecast, we can expect plenty of sunshine on Saturday with a high of 88. The cl- clouds will be coming in with a 50% chance of thunder showers on Sunday. The high on Sunday will be 85. Overnight weekend lows will be in the low to mid-60s. 
Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Keep listening. 101.7, 103.7, WKOM, WKRM, Delk Kennedy, owner-operator. Great to have you with us. Family first. <laughs> My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. great things here in Tennessee, but there's one thing we've got to fix now. Tennessee leads the nation in gun thefts, and too often, criminals use stolen guns in violent crimes. I'm TBI Director David Roush. Help us prevent gun thefts. When you're not carrying, secure your guns, not only at home, but also in your car. Secure it. Lock it. Help stop it. Take the extra step. Together, we can keep Tennessee safe. Brought to you by the TBI, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Funded under an agreement with the State of Tennessee Department of Finance and Administration Office of Criminal Justice Programs. Supported by Award 2020 MUBX0051. Awarded by the Bureau of Justice Assistance, Office of Justice Programs, USDOJ. You're listening to your local radio.
Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Advocates for Alzheimer's disease patients and their caregivers recently rallied in Nashville and throughout the country to urge Medicare to cover new but controversial drugs that have shown some promise in patients with early onset forms of the disease and mild impairment. At issue are the medications aducanumab and lecanumab, which have both received accelerated approval from the Federal Food and Drug Administration. More than two dozen activists gathered at Church Street Park in downtown Nashville last week as part of the nationwide Alzheimer's Association event to urge Medicare to fully cover the drugs. So far, the government has refused to do so. We're not sure why Medicare has made the decision to not cover these drugs, said Catherine Lawden, advocacy manager for the Tennessee chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. This is something that should be available to everyone. The problem and this disease are only growing. If we don't start addressing treatment and continuing research and planning for this disease, we're going to have a real problem on our hands, she said. Here's what we know about this debate and these new drugs, which have shown some promise for a devastating disease that now affects an estimated 6.7 million Americans. More than 3,500 Tennesseans die from Alzheimer's every year, according to the State Department of Health. More than 120,000 state residents are living with the disease, and more than 367,000 family caregivers are dealing with that burden. Aducanumab and lecanumab are monoclonal antibodies that, generally speaking, target plaques that build up in the brain and are linked to the development of Alzheimer's disease. Both have provisional accelerated approval from the FDA. Accelerated approval, born out of the early 1990s HIV-AIDS crisis when patients were desperate for treatments, is a type of FDA drug clearance that allows a promising drug for a serious or life-threatening disease to be used before it has gone through all of the required human testing needed for full FDA approval. Last year, Medicare restricted coverage of aducanumab, whose brand name is Aduhelm, to patients in clinical trials after the FDA's controversial 2021 approval of the drug. The approval came despite objections from the FDA's own panel of independent advisors. Some critics say the drug is not effective and may even be dangerous. Even so, advocates for making aducanumab available note that some studies suggested that it may be modestly effective. The same seems to be the case for lecanumab, whose brand name is Lequembi, according to some testing. Both drugs are aimed at people in the early stages of dementia, Given that, advocates and caregivers for those with the disease say it's urgent that Medicare start paying for the drug now. Each day that passes, they say, means 2,000 more people pass out of the treatment window into the later stage of Alzheimer's. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Celebrate in recognizing Juneteenth this weekend with the 7th Annual Juneteenth Celebration at Riverwalk Park, located at 102 Riverside Drive in Columbia. Each year, dozens of black business owners, local chefs, speakers, and artists join together in welcoming the community to have fun, enjoy great food, and shop local. This year's Juneteenth event starts at noon on Saturday. This year's Juneteenth will feature its first Little Miss and Miss Juneteenth pageant with contestants not only dressing their best, but having the opportunity to share what the holiday means to them. Groups will be ages 5 to 12 and 13 to 18. Registration fee is $65 with an additional $10 if the contestant wishes to participate in the photogenic category. The pageant will take place starting at 2 p.m. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Monday to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great weekend.